This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, let's, uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this place. Thank you, Lord, that we can assemble together. Thank you, Lord, for we're not here alone, but you're with us. And we pray, Lord, that in your presence, that you would be moving from pew to pew, heart to heart, teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. If you take your Bibles, please, and turn uh, in your Bibles to Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10, 15 verses here of this, uh, this chapter, Hosea 10. And please follow along here as I read Hosea chapter 10. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. Now they shall say, we have no king because we feared not the Lord. What then should a king do for us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely and making a covenant. Their judgment springeth up as a hemlock in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the calves of beth For the people thereof shall mourn over it. The priests thereof that rejoiced on it for the glory thereof, because it is departed from it. It shall also be carried unto Assyria for a present to King Jerob. Ephraim shall receive shame. Israel shall be ashamed of their own counsel. As for Samaria, her king is cut off as the foam upon the water. The high places also of Ave, and the sin of Israel shall be destroyed. The thorn, the thistle shall come up on their altars, and they shall say to the mountains, Cover us, and to the hills, Fall on us. O Israel, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah. There there they stood. The battle of Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. 
It is in my desire that I should chastise them, and the people shall be gathered against them when they shall bind themselves to their two furrows. Ephraim is as a heifer that is taught and loveth to tread out the corn. But I passed over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride it. Judah shall plow. Judah, Jacob shall break his clods. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. It's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You've plotted wickedness, you've reaped iniquity, you've eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way and the multitude of thy mighty men. Therefore shall a tumult arise among thy people and all thy fortresses shall be spoiled. The shalman spoiled of Betharbal in the day of battle. The mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. So shall Bethel do unto you because of your great wickedness in a morning shall the king of Israel be utterly cut off. So far, we've seen in the book of Hosea that it's kind of like a cloud, kind of like a sky, a sky that's just full of dark clouds. It's kind of interesting that we've gone through this season of uh, rain here because it really, it matches the book of Hosea. Menacing clouds. We see those clouds gathering in the sky. We know a terrible storm is on the way, a storm in this case, in the book of Hosea, of the wrath of God, of the judgment of God. And Jesus spoke about this when he called, he called, he, he, he called for discerning the face of the sky, reading the weather from the appearance of the sky, seeing the storm is coming. When he said in Luke 12, 56, Luke 12, 56, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? So the Lord was saying, you know how to look at the sky and to project or predict that a storm is coming and how bad the storm's going to be. Then why can't you look at the scriptures, he was saying, and see that a terrible storm of God's wrath and judgment is coming soon? And that's what we've been seeing in the book of Hosea that the dark clouds of this terrible storm of God's judgment are gathering. Every chapter in the book of Hosea for us has been like a new, deep, dark storm that's gathered. And chapter 10 now is no different because it starts off with this condemning statement in verse 1. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. Now, that statement is not saying that Israel is a fruitless vine. Israel is a vine that's yielding fruit, lots of fruit. The only issue is it's not fruit for God. God was not getting any fruit. Israel was living for themselves, just like the Bible tells us not to do in 2 Corinthians 5.15. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for all that they should live not henceforth unto themselves, but unto him, him which died for them and rose again. So those two words, unto himself, are the words that God is condemning Israel with. Those are condemning words unto himself. Those two words, unto himself. It's, it's, it's very simple to know if a person is living for the Lord Jesus and, 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 and eternal life, or if he does not have the Lord Jesus and does not have eternal life. And the difference is, 
When a person lives for himself, his goal in life is to make himself happy without any regard for whether God is happy or not. When a person lives his life under the Frank Sinatra principle of, I did it my way, as opposed to without any regard for, I did it God's way. And a life lived according to verse 1, this principle of unto himself, makes God then cry out the words of verse 9. Verse 9, oh Israel, thou hast sinned, sin. God cries out for Israel because God hates sin and God must judge sin and God does not want to destroy his people, Israel, but he must deal with sin. So therefore, in verse 10, in verse 10, God says, it's in my desire that I should chastise them. The greatest dilemma that Israel has had in their existence is to explain their history. The greatest dilemma that the Jewish people have in their history, history of the Jews, is to explain their history. Because when Israel looks back over the trail of their history, they see a trail paved with red Jewish blood. Red Jewish blood. Anti-Semitism is the world's oldest hatred. Israel grew into a people in Egypt, and the Egyptians made Israel made Jewish blood flow for 400 years. Babylonians lined the trail of, of Jewish uh, history with Jewish blood. Greeks, Romans lined the trail of Israel's history with Jewish blood. Spaniards and the, and the Catholic Inquisition line the trail of Israel's history with Jewish blood. Russians and the pogroms line the trail of Jewish history with blood. Nazis, Arabs, all line the trail, and so many others of, 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 of Israel's history with Jewish blood. And as Israel looks back at all that blood that's lining the trail of their history, Israel thinks, God must hate me. God hates me. God only has thoughts to destroy me. And God says, no, I don't hate you, Israel. God says, Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah 20, 11, 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. So the difference, this all boils down to the difference between chastisement and destruction. With destruction, there's no hope. With destruction, it's demolition. With destruction, it's annihilation. But with chastisement, God is looking for a change. He wants to see a change. That's why the title of my book is called Changed. And you're free to take one in the lobby. God brings in the hurt in order to bring about the change. That's how God deals with us. When we go astray, when we wander away from God, when we go, what happens? We wander into a life of turmoil. Hebrews 12, 6, Hebrews 12, 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, then God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, wherever all are, uh, all are partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our own flesh who corrected us. We gave them reverence. Shall we not much 
rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastised us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastisement for the future seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So Israel was a society of farmers. That's what they were. They agrarian, they were farmers, they lived off the land. And so in order to communicate with them, God turned to analogies of farming to make Israel understand what they must do when God said to them, for example, in Hosea 10, 12, verse 12, verse 12 through 13, 12, 13, where he said, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. It's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed wickedness. You have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way. So in verse 12, God does not say, sow in righteousness or so to God in righteousness, but God says, so to yourselves in righteousness. And by saying that to yourselves, God is telling Israel that it's for your own good that, they, that you turn back to God. When a person turns away from God, that person is hurting himself. That person is opposing their own best interest, which is why we're told to, in regard to the lost, be gentle be, 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 have a gentle touch, a gentle teaching, a spirit of tenderness. Be patient with the lost because we realize that without them knowing it, that living their lives without God, they're actually hurting themselves, they're harming themselves, they're their own worst enemy, which is why we're told in 2 Timothy 2.24, 2 Timothy 2.24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So even though God's angry, it's with the spirit of gentleness and tenderness that God is teaching Israel what they must do in verse 12. And he gives them a great promise, and he tells them if they turn away from sin, if they sow to righteousness, God promised to them harvest, an abundant harvest of mercy, mercy from God, mercy for their sins. It says in Hebrews 8.12, Hebrews 8.12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins, and their iniquities will I remember no more. And this is what God wants for Israel. He wants their good, just as God wants our good for us. Therefore, God told Israel, he said in verse 12, in verse 12, break up your fallow ground. Fallow ground is uncultivated ground. It's wild ground. This last month, I, I drove I, I drove across southern Baja California from the Sea of Cortez over to the Pacific side. And it's, a, it's, it's such an interesting ride 
because as you drive there, it, 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 Baja California is, is one of the most untouched lands on the earth. You just fly over it and you see nothing, nothing, nothing. If you drive that road, Highway 1, if you drive that road down there, the 70, I invite you to do that. It's only 17 hours down to Loretto. Just take a drive. <laughs> you drive that road, you may go 20 minutes before you see another car coming, passing you. It's not a good place to break down. But anyway, uh, it, 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 it's so uncultivated. So it, when you drive across, when you drive across from the, the, from the, the Sea of Cortez, the Pacific side, you, you just get so used to seeing dry ground because it's desert, dry ground full of nothing but cactus and tumbleweed. It's, it's, it's fallow ground, perfect picture. And you're driving across there and then all of a sudden you come to this dazzling sight of green, 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 straight rows of corn and tomatoes and beans and strawberries. And that land is so alive. It's part of the Mexican crop that accounts for, for, for 50% of all the fruits and in vegetables that are imported into the U.S. comes from, from uh, Mexico. And so you almost have to shake your head a little bit when you come to this. You say, wait a minute, is this the same ground that, I, that I've been driving through that's produced nothing? And then after you drive some more, then you come back to the dry uh, fallow, tumbleweed-ridden, uncultivated land of all the cactus that looks so dead. So the contrast of seeing that productive, cultivated land next to that non-productive desert land is so obvious. And, and when you look at the desert land, then you say, it's so not unattractive. It's so ugly. It's so not fruitful. It's so wasted, wasted ground. And that's what God is talking about here in this chapter when he starts off in verse 1 and he said, Israel is an empty vine. A life that is not lived for God is like that type of ground, that desert, tumbleweed, cactus-filled, non-attractive to God, not fruitful for God, wasted life. And one thing is obvious when you come to those fields in Baja, those fields didn't just become fruitful on their own. Someone put a lot of work to make those fields so beautiful, so fruitful, and that's what God is talking about. In essence, God is telling Israel that he has come to Israel, he's seen unfruitful land, but he's got a vision for them. He's got a vision that the land of their lives can be just green and fruitful. And so he's saying to them, essentially in verse 1, when he says, break up your fallow ground, he's saying, roll up your sleeves. It's time to get to work. And the first job to make the, the, the ground of Baja, Baja California South or, or any ground to make it fruitful is to break it up. Break up the ground. And that's what God is saying in verse 12. Break up your fallow ground. And what does it mean for a person to break up the fallow ground of their life? Well, the first step and breaking up the fallow ground in the life is for a person to be saved from their sins. That's step number one, to be saved from their sins. And after a person is saved, to break up the fallow ground means for a person to understand that the ground of his life is no longer his own ground. After a person is saved from the sin, the ground now belongs to God. Before a person is saved, the ground of his life belongs to him. 
Just as before, we were saying the ground of our lives belonged to us. And that was when we used the ground for whatever we wanted. We wanted to, to, to make our, the ground of our lives fruitful for our enjoyment. It's not that Israel was not a fruitful, it was empty vine with regard to God. But as verse 1 says, he says he brings forth fruit unto himself. He brings forth fruit. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. That was the time B.C. That was our B.C. time before Christ in our lives, when, when, when everything we did was for ourselves. Before we were, we were saved, the ground of our lives had brought forth, and since we, 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 we use our lives to make, to make fruit for, our, for, for ourselves, that's what we did. But when we were saved, it all changed. And the ground of our lives, that since that point, we make fruit for our new owner, our new owner, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, 1 Corinthians 6.19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, recently, Scanabai's Laboratory bought a new building in Otai, 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 U.S., Otai, USA. And it was interesting because after we made this transaction, the previous owner of the building, uh, we allowed him to stay in the building as he had in the past. So the difference was that before he owned the building, and he stayed in, obviously, his building, and now we own the building and he's staying there. So the previous owner... He continued to work in the building. Now, just imagine that your your body is a house that you live in. Just picture it that way. Your body is a house that you live in. And just imagine that in the first part of your life, before you were saved, you owned the house of your body. It was free and clear. You could do with that house of your body whatever you wanted to do. If you wanted to remove, if you have in a house, just figure out, picture you in a house. If you wanted to remove a house between two rooms, you wanted a bigger room, you didn't have to ask anyone. You just did it. It's your house. You can do what you want. And that's what you did when you lived unto yourself. You, you asked no one if it was okay for whatever you wanted to do. You had to get permission from no one. You just did what you wanted to do. Now imagine that you fell, you fell into some really hard financial times and you were broke and you had to sell your house. So you sold your house, so now your house has a new owner and the new owner is very nice and he's allowing you to live in the house, but you don't own the house anymore. Now, if you want to remove a wall, you got to ask permission and, and from the new owner because the house no longer belongs to you. Things are different now. Things are different now. And if you did go ahead and remove a wall like you did in the past, you'd be in big trouble. Big trouble because the new owner cares about things like that. So it's hard for you to get used to this fact. It's because you're, it's the same house, but, but the, the ownership has changed. It's kind of hard for you to get used to it. The house you're now living in used to belong to you. Now it belongs to, to the new owner. It's the same house, but it just no longer belongs to you. So you got to ask permission for what you want to do in the house. you got to accept the fact that maybe the answer is going to be no. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.